Section 17 of Inca Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. Inca Lands by Hiram Bingham. Chapter 10 Searching for the Last Inca Capital. Part 1. The events described in the preceding chapter happened for the most part, in Uiticos and Wilcapampa, northwest of Ollantaytambo, about 100 miles away from the Cusco Palace of the Spanish Viceroy, in what Prescott calls the remote fastness of the Andes. One looks in vain for Uiticos on modern maps of Peru, although several of the older maps give it. In 1625, Viticos is marked on the late map of Peru as a mountainous province northeast of Lima, and three hundred and fifty miles northwest of Vilcabamba. This error was copied by some later cartographers, including Mercator, until about 1740, when Viticos disappeared from all the maps of Peru. The map makers had learned that there was no such place in that vicinity. Its real location was lost about three hundred years ago. A map published at Nuremberg in 1599 gives Pincos in the Andes Mountains a small range west of Cusco. This does not seem to have been adopted by other cartographers, although a Paul's map of 1739 gives Picos in about the same place. Nearly all the cartographers of the 18th century who give Viticos suppose it to be the name of a tribe, for example, Los Viticos or Le Viticos. The largest official map of Peru, the work of that remarkable explorer Raimondi, who spent his life crossing and recrossing Peru, does not contain the word Viticos nor any of its numerous spellings. Viticos, Vicos, Piticos, or Biticos. Incidentally, it may seem strange that Viticos could ever be written Biticos. The Quichua language has no sound of V. The early Spanish writers, however, wrote the capital letter U exactly like a capital V. In official documents and letters, Viticos became Viticos. The official readers, who had never heard the word pronounced, naturally used the V sound instead of the U sound. Both V and P easily become B. So Uiticos became Biticos, and Vilcabamba became Vilcabamba. Ramondi's marvelous energy led him to penetrate more out-of-the-way Peruvian villages than anyone had ever done before or is likely to do again. He stopped at nothing in the way of natural obstacles. In 1865, he went deep into the heart of Vilcabamba, yet found no Uiticos. He believed that the ruins of Coquiquira represented the residence of the last Incas. This view has been held by the French explorer Comte de Sartiges in 1834, who believed that Coquiquira was abandoned when Seri Tupac Manco's eldest son went to live in Yucay. Ramondi's view was also held by the leading Peruvian geographers, including Paz Soldan in 1877 and by Prefect Nunez and his friends in 1909. At the end of the time of my visit to Coquiquira, the only dissenter was the learned Peruvian historian, Don Carlos Romero, who insisted that the last Inca capital must be found elsewhere. He urged the importance of searching for Uiticos in the valleys of the rivers now called Vilcabamba and Urubamba. It was to be the work of the Yale-Peruvian expedition of 1911 to collect the geographical evidence which would meet the requirements of the chronicles and establish the whereabouts of the long-lost Inca capital. That there were undescribed and undefined ruins to be found in the Urubamba Valley was known to a few people in Cusco, mostly wealthy planters 
who had large estates in the province of convencion one told us that he went to santa ana every year and was acquainted with a muleteer who told him of some interesting ruins near the san miguel bridge knowing the propensity of his countrymen to exaggerate however he placed little confidence in the story and shrugging his shoulders had crossed the bridge a score of times without taking the trouble to look into the matter another signor pancorbo whose plantation was in the vilcabamba valley said that he heard vague rumors of ruins in the valley above his plantation particularly near puquiero if his story should prove to be correct then it was likely that this might be the very puquiquira where friar marcos had established the first church in the province of Wilcapampa, but that was near Uiticos, near a village called chuquipampa where there should be found the ruins of a temple of the sun and in these ruins a white rock over a spring of water yet neither these friendly planters nor the friends among whom they inquired had ever heard of Uiticos, nor a place called chuquipampa or of such an interesting rock nor had they themselves seen the ruins of which they had heard one of signor lomellini's friends a talkative old fellow who had spent a large part of his life in prospecting for mines in the department of cusco said that he had seen ruins finer than choquiquicrao at a place called winnipicchu but he had never been to choquiquicrao those who knew him best shrugged their shoulders and did not seem to place much confidence in his word too often he had been over-enthusiastic about mines which did not pan out yet his report resembled that of charles wiener a french explorer who about eighteen seventy five in the course of his wanderings in the andes visited ollantaytambo while there he was told that there were fine ruins down the urubamba valley at a place called Picchu or machu picchu he decided to go down the valley and look for these ruins according to his text he crossed the pass of panticala descended the lucumayo river to the bridge of choquichaca and visited the lower uribamba returning by the same route he published a detailed map of the valley to one of its peaks he gives the name Picchu, elevation one thousand eight hundred fifteen meters and to another macho picchu elevation one thousand seven hundred twenty meters his interest in inca ruins was very keen he devotes pages to ollantaytambo he failed to reach Machu Picchu or to find any ruins of importance in the Urubamba or Vilcabamba valleys. Could we hope to be any more successful? Would the rumors that had reached us pan out as badly as those to which Wiener had listened to so eagerly? Since his day, to be sure, the Peruvian government had actually finished a road which led past Machu Picchu. On the other hand, a Harvard anthropological expedition under the leadership of Dr. William C. Ferrabee had recently been over this road without reporting any ruins of importance they were looking for savages not ruins nevertheless if machu picchu was finer than chuquiquinquirao why had no one pointed it out to them to most of our friends in cusco the idea that there could be anything finer than chuquiquinquirao seemed absurd they regarded the cradle of gold as the most remarkable archaeological discovery of recent times they assured us there was nothing half so good they even assumed that we were secretly planning to return thither to dig for buried treasure denials were of no avail to a people whose ancestors made fortunes out of lucky strikes and who themselves had been brought up on stories of enormous wealth still remaining to be discovered by some fortunate excavator the question of tesoro treasure wealth riches is an ever-present source of conversation even the prefect of cusco was quite unable to conceive of my doing anything for the love of discovery he was convinced that I should find great riches at Choquiquirao. 
and that i was in receipt of a very large salary he refused to believe that the members of the expedition received no more than their expenses he told me confidentially that professor foote would sell his collection of insects for at least ten thousand dollars peruvians have not been accustomed to see anyone do scientific work except as he was paid by the government or employed by a railroad or mining company we have frequently found our work misunderstood and regarded with suspicion even by the cusco historical society the valley of the urubamba or wilcamayu as it used to be called may be reached from cusco in several ways the usual route for those going to yucay is northwest from the city over the great andean highway past the slopes of mount senca at tica tica twelve thousand feet the road crosses the lowest pass at the western end of the cusco basin at the last point from which one can see the city of cusco all true indians whether on their way out of the valley or into it pause turn towards the east facing the city remove their hats and mutter a prayer i believe that the words they now use are those of the ave maria or some other familiar orism of the catholic church nevertheless the custom undoubtedly goes far back of the advent of the first spanish missionaries it is probably a relic of the ancient habit of worshipping the rising sun during the centuries immediately preceding the conquest the city of cusco was the residence of the inca himself that divine individual who was at once the head of the church and state nothing would have been more natural than for persons coming in sight of this residence to perform an act of veneration this in turn might have led those leaving the city to fall into the same habit at the same point in the road i have watched hundreds of travellers pass this point none of those whose european costume proclaimed a white or mixed ancestry stopped to pray or make obeisance on the other hand all those without exception who were clothed in a native costume which betokened that they considered themselves to be indians rather than whites paused for a moment gazing at the ancient city removed their hats and said a short prayer leaving tica tica we went northward for several leagues passed the town of chincheros with its old inca walls and came at length to the edge of the wonderful valley of yucay in its bottom are the great level terraces rescued from the urubamba river by the untiring energy of the ancient folk on both sides of the valley the steep slopes bear many remains of narrow terraces some of which are still in use above them are the temporales fields of grain resting like a patchwork quilt on slopes so steep it seems incredible that they could be cultivated still higher up their heads above the clouds are the jagged snow-capped peaks the whole offers a marvellous picture rich in contrast majestic in proportion in yucay once dwelt the inca manco's oldest son sari tupac after he had accepted the viceroy's invitation to come under spanish protection here he lived three years and here in fifteen sixty he died an untimely death under circumstances which led his brothers titucusi and tupac amaru to think they would be better in Uiticos. we spent the night in urubamba the modern capital of the province much favored by peruvians of to-day because of its abundant water supply delightful climate and rich fruits cusco eleven thousand feet is too high to have charming surroundings but two thousand feet lower in the urubamba valley there is everything to please the eye and delight the horticulturist speaking of horticulturists reminds me of their enemies uru is a quichua word for caterpillars or grubs pampa means flat land urubamba is flat land where there are grubs or caterpillars had it been named by a people who came up from a warm region where insects abound it would hardly have been so denominated only people not accustomed to land where caterpillars and grubs flourished could have been struck by such a circumstance consequently the valley was probably named by plateau dwellers who were working their way down into a warm region where butterflies and moths were more common 
notwithstanding its celebrated caterpillars urubamba's gardens of today are full of roses lilies and other brilliant flowers there are orchards of peaches pears and apples there are fields where luscious strawberries are raised for the cusco market apparently the grubs do not get everything the next day down the valley brought us to the romantic ollantaytambo described in glowing terms by castelnau marcol wiener and square many years ago it has lost none of its charm even though marco's drawings are imaginary and squires are exaggerated here as at urubamba there are flower gardens and highly cultivated green fields the brooks are shaded by willows and poplars above them are magnificent precipices crowned by snow-capped peaks the village itself was once the capital of an ancient principality whose history is shrouded in mystery there are ruins of curious gabled buildings storehouses prisons or monasteries perched here and there on well-nigh inaccessible crags above the village below are broad terraces of unbelievable extent where abundant crops are still harvested terraces which will stand for ages to come as monuments to the energy and skill of a bygone race the fortress is on a little hill surrounded by steep cliffs high walls and hanging gardens so as to be difficult of access centuries ago when the tribe which cultivated the rich fields in this valley lived in fear and terror of their savage neighbors this hill offered a place of refuge to which they could retire it may have been fortified at that time as centuries passed in which the land came under the control of the incas whose chief interest was the peaceful promotion of agriculture it is likely this fortress became a royal garden the six great ashlars of reddish granite weighing fifteen or twenty tons each and placed in line at the summit of the hill were brought from a quarry several miles away with an immense amount of labor and pains they were probably intended to be a record of the magnificence of an able ruler not only could he command the services of a sufficient number of men to extract these rocks from the quarry and carry them up an inclined plane from the bottom of the valley to the summit of the hill he had to supply the men with food the building of such a monument meant taking five hundred indians away from their ordinary occupations as agriculturists he must have been a very good administrator to his people the magnificent megaliths were doubtless a source of pride to his enemies they were a symbol of his power and might a league below Ollantaytambo, the road forks the right branch ascends a steep valley and across the pass of panticala near snow-covered mount veronica near the pass are two groups of ruins one of them extravagantly referred to by wiener as a granite palace whose appearance resembles the more beautiful parts of Ollantaytambo, was only a storehouse the other was probably a tampu or inn for the benefit of official travellers all travellers in inca times even the bearers of burdens were acting under official orders commercial business was unknown the rights of personal property were not understood no one had anything to sell no one had any money to buy it with on the other hand the incas had an elaborate system of tax collecting two-thirds of the produce raised by their subjects was claimed by the civil and religious leaders it was a reasonable provision of the benevolent despotism of the incas in that inhospitable region like the Pantacala pass near mount veronica should be provided with suitable rest houses and storehouses polo de andigardo an able and accomplished statesman who was in office in cusco in fifteen sixty says that the food of the chasquis inca post runners was provided from official storehouses those who worked for the inca service or for religion never ate at their own expense in manco's days these buildings at avas pampa probably sheltered the outpost which defeated captain villadiego 
End of section 17.